Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. For the next two weeks, Pardes is bringing Purim to you. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our, this is our eighth Shi'ur in a series of 10 different approaches or thinkers. Hey, Ross, you're going to do two for one. You're getting a double of uh, different approaches to Purim. My name is Svi Hirschfield from the Pardes Institute, uh, and I'm sharing this with you from my home. We're still a lot in lockdown, but uh, hopefully the future is going to start looking much brighter. At least we're hoping. Uh, I'd like to uh, share with you today both a thought from uh, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein's Zatzal, the, uh, the Rosh Hashiva Vishivat Haratzion, and something he said about the Book of Esther, and that's going to lead into a, I think, a, a supporting or parallel or comment or uh, some thoughts from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, also Zichron Olivracha. And uh, it's an opportunity really to pay tribute to two great Torah leaders, each in their own way and for their own constituency of the 20th and the, certainly the beginning of the 21st century. So here we go. So Rav Lichtenstein, in a shiur, in an address that he gave about Esther, uh, he says as follows, and here I'm just going to translate for you. He says that uh, the Megillah that we read on Purim is called by the name of Esther. It's called Megillat Esther. And it seems the reason is because Esther is not only the author of the Megillah, but she is the one, she's the major player here in the story. The story of the Megillah, and to a great extent, is the story of Esther, a shy and passive young woman growing up after the death of her parents in the house of her cousin. And she becomes an active and influential figure who saves the Jewish people with her own hands. And Rav Lichtenstein goes on to describe how Esther in the story develops. In the beginning, we see this young woman, Esther, who's taken by him as a, uh, a, a child. He adopts her, it seems, as a daughter. And at that time, Esther is always seen in a very pa- passive light that uh, she is adopted by Mordechai. We don't know for what reason or why. We don't know if she had any say in it. And it constantly comes back to her passivity, both in her acceptance in the palace of Ahasuerus. She doesn't ask for anything. She doesn't tell anything about herself because Mordechai tells her not to. And even after she's taken by the king and she's into this process of being in the court of women, Mordechai is the one who's always checking in on her. We don't have any sense of her reaching out to him. Uh, even after she's chosen, uh, it's still Mordechai who seems to be leading her and directing her and calling all of the shots. Uh, and this seems to continue all the way through till we reach a critical point in the story. That uh, although she uh, comes across as very uh, passive and Mordechai is the one who seems to be the more active, and he's one, of course, who generated the conflict with Haman to a certain extent from the very beginning, there's a shift in Esther's behavior. Right At a certain point, she becomes the active one. She's the one who invites the king to the mishteh, to this little drinking party. She's the one who uh, goes head-to-head with Haman. She's the one who pleads with the king for the life of the Jewish people. She's the one who sends out the letter to the Jewish people, establishing Purim. And Mordechai, interestingly enough, at his big moment of glory, he's passive. He's the one who's placed on top of a horse and led around. So how do we understand this, again, this, this general theme of nahafohu, of transformation and opposites and change, which is so redolent in, in any discussion of Purim? 
but particularly in regards to Esther, what creates this great change? And in the story, uh, in chapter four, a real, the real turning point in the story, uh, she sees Mordechai dressed inappropriately. He's wearing a, uh, a, a sackcloth. Because Mordechai is, of course, trying to get the Jewish people to do tshuva and to pray and to undo this terrible decree. And she sends uh, clothes out to him because he shouldn't look that way. It's not good. It's going to call attention to him. It could be dangerous. And then uh, Mordechai gets word to her basically saying, you know, the Jewish people are in terrible danger right now. And now is the time you have to do something. And her initial reaction, you know, as the reader was so disappointed, she says, but all the servants of the king know that any man who comes before the king and is not called, they could be killed, right? You're asking me to risk my life. And we're disappointed because we want the hero to, to rush in, but she doesn't rush in. And in a way, it makes perfect sense. She has been passive and moved around her whole life by absent parents, by Mordechai, by the king. And now suddenly she's told, oh, you got to be active. And initially she's reluctant. And yet Mordechai says something that's both very, very harsh, but seems to turn the tide. He says to her, don't imagine for a moment, and I'm paraphrasing here, that you will escape with your life from among all the Jewish people. Because if you're silent now, he tells her, saving and victory will come to the Jews from another place, which, of course, everyone says the makom acher, the other place, is actually God. But you and your household will disappear. For who knows if now, if this very moment is the reason you became queen. And from that moment on, she changes. Now, this is a terrible, harsh accusation. He accuses her of being selfish uh, and being uncaring and trying to save herself at the expense of the Jewish people. And it's not fair. It's very disturbing what he says. At the same time, something shifts for her. Because from that moment on, she says, okay, I'll do it. And then she starts giving orders. Gather all the Jews as they should fast for me and pray for me. And I'm going to do the same. Then I'll go to the king. And then she creates this whole plan on her own of inviting the king and Haman, inviting the king and Haman a second time, you know, sowing the seeds of tremendous jealousy between the king and Haman. So when she springs the news, the king will be more likely to, to hate Haman. She's brilliant. Something dramatic, something shifts within her. She overcomes and, and changes and transforms to an incredible, incredible degree. This turning point is fundamental. Mordechai says to her, you know, are you only thinking of yourself? And her response is to become completely selfless and to risk everything to save the Jewish people. Now, I want to jump to something that Jonathan Sachs said, which is along a similar line, but put a little bit differently. Sachs talks about the calling, that how all of us in life have a calling. We all have a reason that we're here. And he also mentions the end of this fourth chapter in the Megillah. And this is what he says. This, for me, is the ultimate statement of Hashgacha Pratit, of divine guidance. That wherever we are, sometimes Hashem is asking us to realize why He put us here, with these gifts at this time, with these dangers in this place. Hashgacha Pratit is our fundamental belief that God never abandons us. He puts us here with something to do, 
even in the worst hiding of God, if you listen hard enough, you can hear him calling to us as individuals, saying, who knows? Was it not for this very challenge that you are here in this place at this time? And then he goes on to compare it to Vayikra, that the opening of Vayikra and God called to Moshe, the Aleph is small. And Rabbi Sachs comments there that the Aleph, a letter which makes no sound, is small to teach us that sometimes it would be very hard to hear Hashem's call. It might even be a silent call. In Hebrew, this is known as the still small voice, a voice you can only hear if you are listening. Even in the worst moment of hiding, Hester Panim, Hashem is always calling on us to do something. And I hear both of these scholars and teachers telling us that the moment of Purim, Purim is about transformation, but it's about transforming ourselves into the hearers of God's call. That even when God is hidden, and even when the world looks to be so not only different, but opposite, of what we think God would want in this world. And even when our life situation feels foreign to us ourselves, like how did I get here? And what am I doing here? And, and what happened to me? In those moments, we can quite literally hear the call. We can step out of our despair or passivity or routine and take advantage of that moment to hear the call. And that is what I hear Rav Lutzenstein saying about Esther's greatness, that the Megillah is the story of her ability to transform herself, to hear the call. And Rabbi Sachs telling us that that call, look, sometimes it might be accompanied by horns and whistles, but it's often very small. So small, so quiet. If we choose to, we can avoid it. And the challenge that Purim is putting out to us is to choose to listen. The call is there. The need for each and every one of us at multiple points in our lives, the need for us to do something, to serve something greater than ourselves, is, is that call is going on all the time. Purim is the reminder to pay attention and listen. Esther heard the call and changed and transformed and grew. And Jonathan Sachs is telling us that's the mission we all have to be on. Purim is about hearing the subtle, quiet call. No prophets, no Mount Sinai, no certainty. Just the subtle, quiet call of Mordechai saying, who knows, maybe this is why you're in the place you're in. And maybe that's the question we all have to ask ourselves. Maybe I am here right now at this moment in my life because I have something important to do. And all that's standing in my way is my own self-doubt and fear and lack of belief either in myself or in the greater picture or both. So Purim is a celebration of our ability to transform ourselves into listeners to God's call. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to learning with you again in the near future. Thank you to our Pardes faculty and a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning and visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.